all dressed in red and nowhere to go, sit down, get out some caviar, shove it up your ass. It's the Nerd Files. Well, welcome back to the Nerd Files. I'm Dan. I'm Tom. I'm Vinny. And this has been, I don't know, four years if you're listening out there. So we're back. We're going to do a monthly show. Today we are going to talk about The Beatles, the movie, 1965 movie, Help. So this was my first viewing of Help. And I don't have the Blu-ray. I found a link on Daily Motion. So, so I, I think I saw like a VHS version of it because it was like letterboxed. I don't know if that's normal, but really, yeah, um, yeah it was letterboxed, and it was. I mean, it looked really cool. I mean, it looked this, very. This was, you know, this was twenty dollars. Is that still in print? I I thought so. I mean, I, I only got it a few years ago. Okay, cool. Because mom and dad, uh, mom, mom was a huge Beatles fan, so she has she had all the movies um, except for Let It Be on on DVD. But when I moved out, I was like, I'm just gonna get them on on Blu-ray. Um, yeah, and they they were so all. Is it TV. is it widescreen? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was hilarious. Your guys' oh, yeah. uh, initial yeah. initial impressions. I know Vinny had something that was really, really well said. Yeah, yeah. All I said was, uh, if you're if you like movies that are basically like live action cartoons, you're gonna love it. <laughs> I, I love that kind of humor, so I enjoyed the movie very much. Yeah. Um, Not to mention, it was uh, a visually stimulating movie, like lots of nice yeah. and stuff. <laughs> And Richard Lester is actually talking about in his like little intro uh, that comes with the the Blu-ray, uh, with basically like we didn't want to do another Hard Day's Night, but in color, uh, we wanted to do something pretty different because Richard Lester, who did a Hard Day's Night, also did Help. Uh, after that, he doesn't have anything to do with the movies. Um, but yeah, this one's very different than a Hard Day's Night. <laughs> like a Hard Day's Night is very grounded. Um, and this one is just bonkers. This is all over the place. They're in London one minute. And next thing you know, they're they're in the Alps. <laughs> they actually yeah. they flew that piano into the Alps, which is like I know it's like crazy. It's well, it's relatively common to do like <laughs> weird stuff like that for like music videos now. But um, they were kind of the first ones doing like music videos. Essentially, I mean, like the they're, they're films with like musical sequences in it really but no no band had really done i mean like elvis was in movies but yeah yeah but that's different like elvis was actually i think he was actually i don't know he was trying at times to be an actor yeah yeah whereas they're not really i mean like it's just kind of them pretty much (laughs) It's like a heightened version. It's uh, yeah. it's a different type of filmmaking. Like it's slapstick comedy. Like like Vinny said, it's a cartoon, you know, sort of a comedy. Like they change locations. None of the plot really. It makes enough sense to you know to make it funny in the situations. Yeah. But it's very you know very simple. You know Ringo has the the ring on. It looks like one of those um, ring pops. Yeah, yeah candies. Machines that you put a quarter in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I was telling uh, uh, Vinny and our roommate Ian uh, when we watched it on uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, well, yeah, just a few days ago. Yeah, I was like, you know, I don't know if it was ever a conscious decision on their part, but the film essentially acts as a parody of the Victorian melodrama, The Moonstone, um, because The Moonstone is about a cursed diamond that is sacred to an Indian cult that comes to England and then the Indian cult follows it and starts killing people. Um, and this is basically that plot, yeah. but the comedy version of it. Um, and they would have been familiar with it. I mean, like it was a relatively famous British story. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a parody. Um, and they're, they're trying to like make a sacrifice, right? Whoever has the ring on, is that, yeah, I think that's what I how I followed it. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's I've only seen it once, so it was, sometimes it was kind of confusing on like what the well, actual. Well, they, they they do throw in like weird rules every so often. So like um, at the start, um, they have a time limit to where they're trying to get the ring off of him in order to give it back to her sister, who was supposed to be sacrificed. Um, but then that time window like elapses and now they're just going to kill Ringo um, like midway through the movie. Um, and then they kind of throw that out at the end and say, you know what? Now it's this guy. Now. Yeah. Got- whoever has the ring on. Yeah. Yeah. It gets chaotic. It, like it, it kind of builds up, you know, it starts yeah. out, you know, simple sets and slapstick. And I love the style of the sets and stuff. It was very, very uh, like a Wes Anderson movie sort of type thing at the beginning with all the set pieces. And um, I liked cinematography. It was amazing. There's some there's definitely some shot choices, especially the music video parts. I thought yeah, the colorization yeah. and everything was very, very awesome. And it's funny, mm-hmm. sometimes the, the musical segments would just either be like like totally separate from what, what whatever was going on in the story. And then there's some that they make part of the story. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, like yeah. The, the one where they're in the recording studio, and then they're like, Who who was buzzing? Who was <laughs> you buzzing, you naughty boy? <laughs> but wasn't the the studio just like it was just the the window? But then they were like outside. Well, that's the second <laughs> scene, which they also incorporated that one into the story. But there's one earlier in the movie where uh, they're sawing through the floor around Ringo in order to have him fall through the floor and trap him. Um, but then later in the movie, they're like, "Okay, no, we're gonna like have them record out in a field surrounded by tanks." And then they set off a bomb. Those tanks. Yeah, (laughs) that was awesome. Then um, the woman who's like always sabotaging the the cult efforts to kill Ringo uh, puts the bomb um, somewhere else using a tape recorder, tape recording of their music to trick them into thinking that they're right underneath. That's the scene with with the tanks. I did like how they broke the fourth wall with her. Like she, she looked at the camera quite a bit. Oh yeah, she would wink a few times. Yeah, there was definitely those moments where they'd wink at the audience, and then like I even like the style, of the text was kind of you know it was like, hey, this is the the cool part, or that's not the right words, but they they would have the block of text to kind of yeah. like go with the humor or the cartoon aspect. 
or like the five sequences or five strategies of trying to get the ring and all. And, yeah. Um. Very cool. I was I just was not expecting this to, because after seeing Hard Day's Night and and then going to Help, I was like, man, Help is just crazy. Like it's it's, oh, it's help, like is, a, help is so much wackier. Um, yeah. I'm like you guys. I watched this movie a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, when I was little, I definitely preferred it to a hard day's night because it's so like slapstick and goofy. Uh huh. Um, now I'm like, oh no, like a hard day's night. Uh, and I was talking about this with Eaton, was like, yeah, he, he's like, yeah, it's essentially an art film. Like you could consider a hard day's night an art film. And I was like, yeah, I agree with that. Help, I, I mean, like, I love it. But it's not really an art film, it's, it's, a, it's a goofy comedy, you know, like it's not even the same genre. Yeah, that's true. It's something that you would find today on, like, you know, Adult Swim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah they don't, we're ahead of their time. <laughs> I, I think so. Because I was thinking, like, how many bands today would do this? You know, I don't know. I don't They'd probably well, just show up on do that today. They're, okay. They're, I would say they're ahead of their time in the aspect of the movie, but they're a little bit um, shaky in the fact that they cast all white actors as the Indian roles, and yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's well, dated it as well. the nineteen sixties. The civil rights movement was like you know, you know, active at that time. Yeah, that that stuff hasn't aged well, but in... but yeah, the movie is fun enough that I, I kind of forgive it, and I I also was was thinking about it, and I was like. Since it is a subversion of the Moonstone, I mean, you, the Moonstone was coming out uh, after the uh, the uprising in India, um, and so a hundred years later, you're doing a comedy version of it, and you're like, Indian people are not actually like scary. I guess is a little bit progressive from that. <laughs> I mean, like, not where we would say it's progressive, but you know, it's a little, it's a, it's a step in the right direction, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to argue that. Man, when the just to change subjects real quick, I just because I just I just saw the movie and and one of the parts I laughed out loud was when the guy walks through with the the gas mask on. And he's like fumbling against the wall, and then he pulls out the thing to like make the hole in the wall and put the oh yeah, put the gas line through. And then Paul picks it up, and he's like, "It's for you." You know, I don't know. It was just funny. I was like hysterical. And then they put it outside, and the soldiers get gassed. It's oh yeah, it's it's hilarious. Like dark too. It's like man. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, like, it works really well because of the, like, the villains are bumbling, the heroes yeah. just are insanely lucky. Like, I mean, uh, they get saved all the time by by the uh, that one woman whose name escapes me. Um, yeah. And, and, and like, the, the military and the government all get involved trying to save the Beatles. Like, <laughs> You're talking about the woman that like winks at him, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. The one yeah. who, like, towards the beginning of the movie is like, I'm more than what I seem. <laughs> was that the same lady that Paul's playing guitar on, pretty much? Or yeah, that? no, no, that's a different one. She was okay. just on the beach, I think. Uh, but they do serenade her um, right before the scene where Paul shrinks. 
Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That wasn't funny. That but... was bizarre, too, man. <laughs> <laughs> he had, like, walked out during part of it and came back and was like, what is going on here? And I was like, well, they were trying to shrink Ringo's finger, and they accidentally jabbed Paul, and so he shrunk, and now he's on the floor. <laughs> hilarious, man. It goes really well with the times of the 60s, though. I feel like if you had a little bit of drink or some acid or something, this movie would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you and I, uh, or you mentioned to me, this movie kind of looks like it's a transition from, you know, like how the way they were when they appeared on the Ed Sullivan show to like when they made their their last, uh, when they did the rooftop concert. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, right. there's still a few years between there, but I think part of the thing too is like, even with the building on that transition thing is um, the Beatles had such a short span when you think about it like so these transitions that they were taking were very very fast in real time um but like each of the five movies that they did and we'll count get back as as let it be since that's probably what we're going to do in the series but um they're like completely different in each movie i mean like these two are the true um because it's the same director they're the two that were released while brian epstein was still alive um, and they conform most closely to their initial uh, presentation. Like they're all in suits, even in even in Help. Uh, I mean, like the, the suits get pulled off of them quite a bit in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like they get like they get it pulled off by the like um, the uh, the thing in the bathroom, the, the hand dryer, and then like Ringo's pants fall down oh, from the ring. You know, I, I I mentioned to him. For a 1960s movie, uh, it's they show a lot of skin, like PG stuff by our standards, but risque back then. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. It's um, yeah. To, to your point, this is still like what they're they've been together what five years, four years maybe when they shot it. Yeah, and that's like including like the like um, the Hamburg years. Which like they weren't well known then. Um, yeah. It made a lot of money. It can. I mean, it, it was made for like a million dollars. It made about twelve million. So that's pretty good profit. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, well, they were on the top of the world like when this was coming out, you know. So I mean, does it say anything on the Blu-ray about how fast maybe they filmed it or? Um. I actually haven't read the whole Because that would have been crazy to be on the set. I, I imagine they go pretty quick. They're probably making up the little skits as they go, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those moments were spontaneous. Exactly. Why don't I just read what Richard Lester said? Because I haven't read the whole thing, actually. Um, yeah. There's also a thing by Martin Scorsese in here, but it's much longer, so I'm not going to say just reading that one. Um Help was written at the end of 1964. We were determined not to produce an upmarket color version of A Hard Day's Night, which was a fictionalized documentary on Beatles' lives. We chose instead to do a pop art fantasy, which within we could play around with the state of Britain in 1965 and Harold Wilson's white-hot modern society. Just pre-Hart Ashbury, pre-Vietnam, petrol wars, and the 1968 May riots, there was still a bed in England and exuberant residents of good, uh, residue of good humor. We had the pill and as yet relatively few parking meters. If the film seems innocent, we can all plead guilty. The songs were great and filming them was sheer pleasure. 
The first Beatles film achieved its title from an actual Ringo saying. I suspect from the lyrics, the song wrote itself without too much trouble. When the second film was being prepared under the imaginative working title Beatles 2, the writers and I wanted to call it Help. Unfortunately, we were informed by copyright lawyers that someone else had registered the title. Ringo helpfully offered eight arms to hold you, relating to the multi-armed statue in the script. Needless to say, there wasn't a huge amount of enthusiasm to write that title song, but we carried on until it came close to shooting the title sequence for the film. Another desperate phone call to the lawyers resulted in the question, does your title have to have an exclamation mark in it? We said, if it helps, we can have one. Since the other title didn't, we were in the clear. <laughs> John and Paul borrowed the studio piano and started work. But the next morning, they played the finished song to us and recorded it the next night. In two days, the film sequence was complete. Oh, shit. Wow. Uh, John, John, years later, often said that Help was a very personal and emotional song for him, all thanks to an exclamation mark. In 1966, after my three years working with the Beatles, I had felt myself being close to the center of the universe. I remember thinking at the time, whatever happens to me for the rest of my life, if I'm hit by a bus, the evening standard billboard will read, Beatles director and death drama. Now, 40 years on, as the buses in London arrive more frequently than in 1965, I suspect the real world will read as then. But I have had the considerable privilege of smelling, the, of smelling the sweet air at the core of the universe. Richard Lester, August 19, uh, uh, 20, 2007. Wow. Yeah, I can't see it being called Eight, Hand, Eight Arms to Hold You. Oh, know. God, that would have been so awful. What a terrible title. <laughs> well, also, like, I mean, like, it's already like a little because like they're stealing like that's Kali or like Shiva, probably Shiva. They're really referencing so like it's a little like offensive already. But then, like making the whole movie title around it is like okay, please don't. <laughs> yeah, help help is perfect. Yeah. Also, Richard Lester did those um, the Three Musketeers movies we saw at the New Beverly. Oh yeah, those are fantastic. Yeah. I still have to buy those on Blu-ray. I don't, that's hard to find. I know. I, ended, I I ordered them off of Amazon when I was still using Amazon. I might have to do that. I don't know. But they're still available. But I remember that time. That was actually... that The Three Musketeers, those two movies, those... Oh, they were... Or the two parts, right? Was it two parts? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it was like Three Musketeers, Four Musketeers. Yeah. And right. I, I haven't seen every adaptation of The Three Musketeers, but of the ones I've seen... It was very close to the book, but they didn't really change much of it, and it, he made it really funny. They're really funny. Uh, I remember the first half being hilarious, and the second half was more serious, of course. It, oh yeah, I mean, like when we got when we got to the intermission of the two films, I was like, they stuck really close to the novel. I don't know how they're going to do part two, because part two of the Three Musketeers is really dark. <laughs> But yeah, John Lester, he's I think he's underrated as a director. Oh yeah. Especially I, for comedy. You know, whenever I watch the, the Beatles movies, I'm always like, I should seek out more of his work. Um I never do. I've only watched those four movies. It's just Hard Day's Night Help and then the two um Three Musketeers. Me, oh, me too, the, to be fair. And the third sequel, the the <laughs> The, the, oh yeah, we yeah, did twenty years after, but Richard Lester was sick, so they like like it's not very good. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, let's get back to help because this was mm, yeah. 
Oh, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> we went on a side tangent about Richard Lester. I mean, I think he was uh, he was heavily like I mean, he directed it, so he was a big part of this movie. Yeah. Wait, can I show you? Or yeah. I wanted to just point out real quick. Even this little book that came with the DVD, it's got all these cool pictures and stuff in it. Oh, it's oh, just yeah. a beautiful edition. I'm gonna have to pick that up. Yeah, they have um, the the these sorts That's of like nice. it's like kind of a slide here. They're very similar, and they had um, help Yellow Submarine. Um, are both like this? Oh, you're gone. No, I'm doing a I'm doing a solo so they can see the. Oh, okay. The art and stuff. Oh, oh, oh I got I'm still here. Nice. There right, we go. It's like a nice little like slide edition. Kind of cool inside too. Oh, it's very cool. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, uh, yellow submarine is also like this. I now have the Criterion A Hard Day's Night because of you. Um, and um, Magical Mystery Tour is just a regular snap uh, back. There was an edition you could get it with the vinyl, but I was like, I already have the vinyl, so. <laughs> trying to think, was... It's not very long either. It, it, the pacing is really oh, yeah. good. It flies by. Oh yeah. Um, I would yeah. I, I mean, I would say the only one that's like questionable pacing is maybe Magical Mystery Tour, but I think all the other ones are like really well paced. Um, and it, even if we're counting Get Back, like I know it's eight hours, but it flies by. Like I feel like you still have the three act structure in that one because there's three parts too. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that, but, um, That's a few any, <laughs> was there any other like thoughts on the film help? I just love when he's in the snowman costume and he has a flamethrower and then he goes down the, the hill and she points him towards a, a ski race that he wins. Yes. Yeah. It's like the again. It's like the accidental situational comedy. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cartoon. Like that. That's like such a cartoon thing. Definitely is, and I. I don't think any other. Like currently, I don't really see that kind of comedy anymore. At least yeah. Maybe, maybe in animation. Yeah, in animation, there that that still exists. In live action, um, we saw a movie recently that. I have to look at the years, but it might have actually been an influence on Help. Um, I was thinking that while we were watching it the last time. It's called Playtime, and it's a French comedy that's like entirely um, – it's entirely situational comedy. So it's mostly filmed in wide shots, and there's like – there's multiple sight gags going on at the same time. So if you're paying attention to one, you might miss another. So you can keep watching it. It, it. It's a really interesting movie. In fact, I'm going to look up um, when that came out. Because I definitely was watching it this time. I was like, you know, that kind of reminds me of it. And it was around the same time that they were coming out. And it was in France, you said? Yeah. It's on Criterion Channel if you want to watch it. Okay. Playtime. Playtime. Criterion has a whole, like, collection um, of that director's movies that I wanted to watch. 
Oh, no, Playtime is after. So it couldn't have influenced it, but I think this director was working earlier in the 60s, so maybe his other movies. Uh, yeah, Jacques, Jacques Tati. I don't actually know too much about him, but we saw that one movie um, at, at the Arrow Theater, and I was like, oh, this is great. I love it. Oh, you saw Playtime at the Arrow? Yeah. Okay, so it looks like he was working through the, like, um, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So, like, they definitely could have seen some of his other movies and been influenced by it. But, yeah, that was another one. That was one that Ian uh, uh, told us about and then uh, we ended up seeing. So that that was great. It was very cool seeing it on the big screen. Um it's funny because like the first like act takes place in this giant um, this giant office building in the heart of Paris, but the only time you see anything Parisy is one time when they show the reflection of the Eiffel Tower, and and the door as it's opening. But other than that, there's nothing. It's just this ugly, fictional, terrible office building. Uh, <laughs> And this one That's character awesome. is like trying to find the person who's supposed to interview him through this sea of cubicles, and he keeps getting lost. <laughs> that was such a unique movie. It was, yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I I don't know if it has a crazy ending like Help did, because I feel like this ending on the beach was pretty insane. It was. Like, it was just like a chaotic panic mess, and <laughs> there's love- blood on like. Or is it? It wasn't fake blood, was it? On Ringo, or I can't. No, no, that was that was paint. They keep okay. painting them red. Um, I just love the swimmer who shows up in, in in the Alps, and then he shows up again at the end because he's working for the White Cliffs of Dover. So they like pointed him towards the when they were in the Alps. Yeah, yeah. He up, and they don't even have dialogue over it. It's it's like it, he just shows up, and like you can tell he's asking again. And they like point <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everything comes ahead there at the beach. It's pretty insane. It's, and and then the, the ring just falls off. You know, the yeah. jewel. It's like <laughs> it's hilarious. I love where like they have like the substance that they're going to like try to use on the boat to uh, get it off his finger. And then the mad scientist is like no, I want the substance now. Forget the ring. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it definitely kept you guessing on what what's going on and what's going to happen next. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it still holds up. It's hilarious. I was laughing throughout. You know, some I mean, we, we talked about some of the parts that didn't hold up, but I feel like this movie could still play well. Like you said, like, like if I showed a kid this, they'd probably oh, yeah, get enjoyment yeah. out of it. Oh man, yeah. Like I and I, I loved it as a little kid. I mean I loved okay. Mom wouldn't let me watch Magical Mystery Tour because of the stripper scene. Um and Let It Be was like basically unavailable, uh, except for VHS, which we didn't have a copy until um recently. Uh, when my mom's friend was like, hey, we don't have a VHS player, so you can have this. <laughs> I don't think Let It Be is available on DVD still. 
No, it's not. Uh, but I'm not mad about it anymore because Get Back is so much better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've only seen Let It Be the one time, but Get Back was magical. Uh, whereas Let It Be, I didn't feel that way about it. Um, but the other ones are all available on Blu-ray already. Um, okay. And Hard Day's Night is on 4K from Criterion. Oh man, that looks. I bet that looks amazing. I know. Well, guys, let's. Uh, I guess wrap it up. With our final thoughts. I mean, I really enjoyed the film. I definitely think the two Richard Lester Beatles movies that I've seen, actually, two Beatles. These are two Beatles movies I have seen for the first time. So I haven't seen the other ones yet. I think I might have seen Yellow Submarine, but I, you know, maybe I was. Yeah, yeah, in, maybe, intoxicated. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, I watched that movie quite a bit. Like, that's one of my favorites. But we'll get to it, and I'm excited. Um, your guys' final thoughts before we wrap it up here? I pretty much said all I needed to. I can't think of anything else. It's a really fun movie. Um, I actually lent, uh, this, uh, lent my copy to a friend, um, and, and he loved it, too. He, en- he ended up buying it. Um, so, I mean, I don't know too many people who have seen it, who I haven't like known to personally, but I, I think it's a really fun film. Um, it's definitely nowhere near serious, very different tone than a hard day's night. And if you're looking for an art house sort of second feature, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're fine with the, uh, the tone shift, I think it works. They're really funny in it. Yeah, that's what surprised me the most was how funny it was. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of Nerd Files. Thanks so much for being here, and uh, let yeah, us know below your thoughts on on help. Yeah, and we'll uh, probably do Magical Mystery Tour next month. Yep, coming soon in April. Bye bye. See ya. Magical Mystery Tour.